You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Down to seven in the corner. Scott rattles home a three. It's second of the half. I'm so happy to see Dante Scott make shots last night. Uh, and uh, and and be really a catalyst in Maryland's come from behind win last night against Nichols State. Terps go to seven and four. You heard the game right here last night on your home for Maryland basketball, called by of course Johnny Holiday and our guest Chris Naki. Uh, Naki joins us courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. So I, I actually want to talk to you about a lot of things today, including your favorite football team, and the Ted move to Virginia. I want to get your opinion on all of that. But let's start with the game last night. Um, Man, they were down nine. The other team was hitting everything that they looked at, and I thought this – this isn't looking very good. I still am not sure how they were able to pull it out, but I'm glad they did. What did you see? 
Yeah, you know, they 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 had a nice run at just the right time. They were down 43-34, as you mentioned. They won, you know, went on like a 20-6 to run. Uh, they weren't able to get – that was really the only stretch of the game where they got consistent stops and uh, were able to turn those into opportunity buckets. They also had some timely shots. You know, that's kind of been a problem this year, um, as you well know. Uh, you know, that and it – you mentioned Dante. It was especially important that he played as well as he did, given the the struggles of Julian Reese in that game. Uh, you know, he's Julian's had a pretty damn good year, and yet I think he was really frustrated. They got in his head a little bit. There was a lot, lot of trash being talked all night long between coaches and players. There was a lot going on on that court, and uh, and I think we lost Julian for a little bit during the course of that thing. So it was it was really important that Dante step up. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I was watching it on television, and obviously the coach of Nickel State was on the Maryland staff last year, very familiar with uh, Maryland. There are, there are players that, you know, from both teams that are from the area. So that was a big-time trash-talking game. It was not noticeable on TV. Oh, yeah. Well, Tavon Sadler, the, uh, yeah. the, the fellow that you ref- referenced who was on Maryland's bench, he, it all started in the first half. It was actually pretty funny. It's kind of funny to watch all these things unfold. But, you know, Tavon, of course, was on the bench. He clearly knows the Maryland personnel well. And so Dante was lining up threes in the first half right in front of that, of the uh, Nichols bench. And you could hear Tavon say, let him shoot. <laughs> let him shoot. And so Dante buried a shot and turned and barked right in, in Tavon's grill, you know, over there. And it just sort of started it. Uh, Julian was playing against a guy, an older guy from Baltimore, who they, he went to the same school, same, uh, you know, to. Uh, yeah, San Francis. Uh, to, you know, so they would have crossed paths for sure. There was a lot, a lot going on there. There was just. It was chippy. It was fun. It was, uh, you know, it was needlessly close, but it was, uh, it was just one of those games. There was a lot going on on the court. It was an actual odd game to watch. I mean, there were sequences where the ball's bouncing around, people are falling down. It was not a smooth game, although they were bombing threes. I mean, the kid White could not miss until he finally finally did i'm like i don't know maybe maybe we should cover him maybe we should guard him um i got a better idea maybe we should recruit him yeah exactly uh <laughs> you know they, they ran they ran some cool stuff for him too because he is sort of the designated uh, you know bomber and they clearly had run some uh some really cool stuff for him that got him just enough uh airspace where he could pull the trigger and um um, you know, and, and it wasn't just him, Kevin. I mean, they had all sorts of guys who were hitting shots from everywhere, and they would not go away. They, I thought they got tired during that stretch where Maryland went on the run. And then um, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to go away. This will be a 12- or 15-point game. But then down the stretch of the last two or three minutes, they're hitting them again, you know, hitting bobs again, cut it to three, cut it to four. You know, they were – they just wouldn't die. Yeah. Um, they play UCLA on – Friday night, you'll be out there on the call with Johnny. Uh, so I, I do want to talk about that. It's actually 50 years since their first trip ever to Poly Pavilion, um, and uh, w- which was a a very um, very memorable game, uh, mm-hmm. especially the build up to that game. But but back to to, to to Dante for a moment because 
I think we know what we're going to get from Jameer Young, thankfully, because without him, I think this team would be in big trouble. I mean, we felt the same way last year to a certain degree. And I think we know what we're going to get from Julian. Uh, It's the third player that they're going to have to have score and be a a big-time you know, contributor consistently. And to me, based on what I've seen from Deshaun Harris-Smith so far, he's a freshman – um, and even Kaiser and Geronimo, to me, it's still Dante. Do you agree with that, yes or no? And then, B, how do they get him going here, and what's been the issue so far? So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the obvious candidate to be that, you know, the, the third leg, uh, you know, for sure. And, and, and you know, if by virtue of the, the points he scored in the uniform, you know, I, it's funny, I – the numbers become monopoly numbers when you you consider the COVID year that some of these guys uh, have you know have used and are getting. Those those will go away. But last night, I don't know if you heard. You know, last night, Dante passed James Gist on the you know Maryland scoring list. Jake Lehman is up next. He'll pass him in the next game. I mean, it, it's incredible the number of points that he scored. So obviously, I think he's your an easy candidate. I just think, you know, his confidence waned for, why? for, for, I have no idea why that would be. This guy's an accomplished guy, an accomplished player. And um, I think sometimes you try and make guys who they aren't. I, I don't, I'm not sure why Dante spends as much time out on the wing as he does. I like the fact that he can bury a three, that he can hit threes, but I like him more when he's attacking the basket, getting to the foul line, you know, being aggressive block to block. And I think he can do that without taking space away from Julian. Um, before last night, you know, they had sort of remedied some of their scoring problems because they kept getting to the free throw line so much over the course of the last few weeks. Uh, in the two previous games, they had shot 39 and 40 free throw attempts. Those are great numbers. Uh, last night was more low 20s, I think, at the end of the day. But uh, I think he's got to be more aggressive. He's got to be, you know, hunt his opportunities more. I think he defers. I, Jameer has been so good, and he's. Been, I'm telling you, I watch way too much college basketball, Kevin. I'm not sure there's a guy in the country who does as much for his team as Jameer Young does for that basketball team. And I think as a result of the fact that he's everywhere all the time, I think guys defer to him uh, needlessly. Uh, you can play alongside of them and be just as good, you know, and work just as hard. And uh, I don't know why at this point in time in his career you have to play mind games with a guy who's played as many minutes as he had, but uh, the confidence waned and now you know, appears to be on the rise back up, which is clearly a good thing. Yeah, it is, and he knocked down some of those shots, and they were shots you, you have to take because yeah. they're off of you know penetration or in transition and nobody's guarding him. He still, to me, looked tentative with the ball in his hands. Like you just said, and it's the perfect word, he's looking – to get rid of it, and he's looking to find Jameer or really anybody. I, I just – it always pains me to watch guys where you you know, and you know basketball better than anybody that, that, that comes on this show. It, you you know when a guy isn't feeling confident, and yet it hurt. It, what, what's painful is when they're totally capable – of of be, of being a, a big time contributor, but it's he just looks like he doesn't want it as much, doesn't want the ball as much, and I think they're going to need him to want it. Uh, see, Dipper. I'm a big believer in, the, in body language, and I, I agree with you. I I don't know why 
I mean, you would think that going out, you know this is your last year. This is your last go-round. You'll never play in Pauley Pavilion again. You get an opportunity to on Friday night. I would think that you'd embrace it the way Jameer has embraced it. And they're different kids. They're, they have different triggers. And, you know, Dante's one of those guys that doesn't really talk a lot. I'm not sure if he's articulated any of this to, you know, any of the angst to Kevin, to Coach Willard or – anybody on the staff, but there was clearly something going on in between his ears that either has been addressed or he's addressing it. Uh, you know, and hopefully there are better days ahead for him. I, I root for him. I, I really do. I do too. I feel the same way. I'm really rooting for him uh, in part because I think they really are going to need him. For those of you not paying attention, Maryland, off to a 7-4 and four start. It's been rough at times, especially offensively. Um, they couldn't score in a road game at Villanova or a road game at Indiana. But at home, they've got a long winning streak. They beat Penn State at home. Penn State, you know, the next game after losing to Maryland, went and beat Ohio State. Ohio State's won some games this year. Um, it's kind of a crazy start to the college basketball season, oh and God. there's a long way to go. Um, but we are basically now approaching the last two games for Maryland anyway that are non-conference, and then their f- next conference game is January 2nd against the number one team in the country at home, Purdue, with no students there. Um, but let's talk about UCLA. Um, they just lost to CSU Northridge. They've lost three in a row. Ohio State beat them. So, I the, the, I mean, they're going to be ready to try to get back on track, but to me, this is a crucial early season game, Naki, because of how poorly they've played on the road. Uh, they're not—they're not what they were last year, where they're going to win every single game at home um, when they get to this conference, you know, schedule. They're going to have to figure out how to play on the road. Do you think they figure it out Friday night at Pauley? You know, you, you would think you're catching them at a good time. You see, this UCLA team, I think it's five and five right now, as you said, coming off a loss last night to Northridge. And they were, uh, the last I saw, they were down like 16 at half. So yeah. apparently they got, you know, they got throttled pretty good. Um, yet, you know, it's a game that UCLA is looking at it the same way. This would be a really important game for them to get back, you know, off the schneid a little bit. So, uh, I do think you have the advantage of playing there during the you know, the winter break. Uh, you know, students likely not around, uh, which sadly means that UCLA, UCLA dance team is probably not around. But but I digress. <laughs> it's uh, yeah yeah you know, that's, it's, it's, it's unfortunate it's for you. Funny. It's yeah. an opportunity in a storied place, and it's an opportunity to get better, man. These guys. They, you know, uh, it's a little frustrating. You, you, and maybe, maybe there's an improvement in practice, and and you know, maybe they're seeing it there. It's just that sometimes you you watch and you think, gosh, where's the improvement that you want to see with a group? And hopefully, it, it you know, it comes. Have you been to Pauley? I have. I played there, and I also coached there. Uh, but they've redone the place a couple of times since then. I mean, I played there back in the late seventies, and then. Coached there in the late '80s, uh, so uh, but it, it's a great, great spot. So, how did you do as a player and a coach? Excuse me. How did you do? Oh, over two. But um, yeah, we when I was coaching at AU, we our best player was a kid from um, Pomona, California. He wanted to go back to LA. We we owed him that, and took him back and played UCLA. They had 
uh, Tracy Murray and Don McClain, you know, which is a very good college basketball team, and they, they were legit. And then when I played there, it was just after the, the string of the insane string that will never happen again of national championships. And they were damn good. I was playing for Colorado at the time. They were damn good, and, and um, you know, they leveled us pretty good. But it was, it was a great experience. So I think I have this right. Uh, maybe you've already seen the game notes for Friday night. I think this will be Maryland's third trip to Pauley Pavilion. Do you know? Yes, that's correct. You're correct. Yeah. They they so they they played there d- during Adrian Branch's time. I think it was his freshman year, and they got pummeled um, in sort of a made-for-TV game in the early '80s. But the first trip to Pauley Pavilion, um, doing a little Andy Poland uh, down memory lane, three <laughs> years ago this month, December tenth, nineteen seventy-three, Maryland was ranked fourth in the country. UCLA was number one. Bill Walton's senior year, they're in the midst of this seventy-game uh, seven. 70-plus game win streak, and Lefty had claimed when he got to Maryland that he was going to turn Maryland into the UCLA of the East. So this game was scheduled, and the hype for this game for a college basketball game in 1973 in December was off the charts. Um, and Maryland lost by a point, 65 to 64. The game was on the cover of Sports Illustrated that week, with Walton taking a shot with uh, you know being defended by Len Elmore, and the title was UCLA by a whisker. They won by one point. But the best story about that, Naki, do you know what the story about Lefty at the end of the game when they had to foul UCLA? No, remind me. So the clock's winding down after they had the ball and they weren't able to get a shot off and UCLA's got the ball and Mo Howard fouled a UCLA player as the horn went off and Lefty ran out onto the floor and told the referees, game's over, game's over. He didn't want the free throw shot. He wanted the final score to be a one-point game. Uh, And they didn't let the guy from UCLA take the free throw, so it was 65-64. Uh, but he wanted to lose by one, not by two or three. I so I remember the game, and I, I remember a bunch of things about it. First of all, uh, the fact that it was so hyped, it just reinforces the fact that Lefty Drizel remains one of the single greatest promoters who ever yeah. lived. You know, because he willed that whole thing into existence with the UCLA of the East, right? Um, that game was on late night TV. It was syndicated by like TSN or somebody like that. Uh, somebody who, you T- know, that, this was back in the early days. TVS. See, yeah, that, there you go. There you go. And, and it was before the saturation that we have right now. I watched that game. UCLA jumped all over Maryland early in that game. It was a great comeback by Maryland to, to get themselves back in the conversation. And uh, uh, it was two big-time teams. And I keep in mind, too, that this is back in the day when – seniors stayed you know upperclassmen stayed and you had men playing in that game it was big time this is the this is really the first college basketball season i remember um and it was the 1973-74 season for those that you know are old enough you know that this was the year that that UCLA finally didn't win the title nc state won the title um, mm-hmm. beating ucla in double overtime in a semifinal and then beating al mcguire's marquette team in the actual final but this was also the year that maryland lost to nc state in one of the greatest college basketball games ever 
ever played, 103 to 100 in overtime in the ACC tournament final. Maryland was the number four team in the country. NC State at that point was one. UCLA was two. Um, and it looked like, you know, um, Maryland, you know, it, it would have probably been a, a, a rematch of Maryland and UCLA. Uh, NC State had also played UCLA during the course of the season and, it, and, and I think had lost as well. Uh, yeah. But, yep. yeah, but it was a great regular college basketball season. And in many ways, you know, I think, you know, Walton, David Thompson, the Maryland-NC State game, the Maryland-UCLA game, the UCLA-NC State game during the regular season, I, you know better than I, but I think this was the first season in which college basketball really started to become what it would become and is no longer in many ways, but what it would become really for the next 30 years. Yeah, you know, it's hard to sort of, you know, a lot of people point to that bird magic game as sort of the, you know, the thing that, that sure. changed the dynamic. And, and you know, I think both are kind of really worthy guideposts, you know. Um, but I remember those, it was the frustration with uh, the Terps being that good and not even having a chance to get in the NCAA tournament was just brutal, you know. Um because that's as good a team, you know, obviously there's a group later on in 2002 that won a national championship, but, you know, you can, that was as talented a team as you'll ever have in a program. Uh, uh, so it was, it was a great year for college basketball for sure. And a great year for personalities. Think about, you mentioned Marquette. I mean, that was back when Al McGuire was being Al McGuire. And, you know, you, you already mentioned that you, the, the, uh, NC State, the coach's name with the checkered sport coat, the bad checkered Norm sport. Sloan. Norm Sloan, right? Um, yeah. Is that, is that who that was? Norm yeah, Sloan Norm for Sloan, NC yeah. State. Yeah. So, yeah, great, great year for the sport for sure. Yeah, uh, incredible. And, of course, Maryland's loss to NC State, I think many of you know this, was the impetus for the NCAA tournament to expand and to allow more than one team per conference. Ironically, the following year – Maryland won the ACC regular season, lost the A- in the ACC tournament, and they became the first ever at-large team out of the ACC uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. that following year. And they, they went to Final lesson. Eight that love year. What would you say? History lesson. I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, looking forward to Friday night. I hope they play better because yep. – you know, then it's Coppin State, then it's Purdue at home. Um, and that was the game of the year last year for, for, for Maryland beating Purdue at home when they were ranked so high. All right. Uh, so, Naki, I think everybody knows, is a Skins fan and is a big DC sports fan and watcher. By the way, when are you on radio next so I can promote that? Are you on that? Coming you know, up I don't have anything scheduled, okay. but uh, okay. sometime soon, I'm sure. Uh, so. Let's start with the skins. Were you shocked that Ron benched Sam Howell on Sunday and put in Jacoby Brissett? I was surprised, and the results of what happened there also lead me. I, I've had a change of opinion as a result of what I saw. I, I think that you know, as they play their way into the fourth, and then the third, and maybe the second pick of the draft. I was of a mind, you know, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, you you got so many needs, so many areas that you can punch up and get better at. You know, maybe you parlay a high pick into two first rounders and, you know, and really improve from there. I 
I'm of a mind now where if you have that pick and you have a quarterback available, you take the quarterback. Um, I just, you know, when Brissett came in and did what he did with basically icicles hanging off of his, you know, I mean, he's been on the shelf forever all year long. And all he does is find your best player out there multiple times. It tells me a lot about, you know, what's been missing. And, um, you know, I think we're all rooted for how and maybe – that chapter isn't finished, but I'm I'm of a mind if you get that pick and you have a guy available, you take him. Yeah, I, I think that that uh, Sam Howell was going to be scrutinized and constructively criticized after that game, just like we have over recent games. But I think Brissett coming in and playing the way he played. And who knows what it would have looked like over 60 minutes had he started the game. Um, But I really think that for a lot of people, and you just admitted it, it kind of made you think differently about the draft and Sam Howell. And with that, I'll ask you, you know, right now, just your gut, what's Sam Howell's future in the NFL? I think he could play. I, I just I don't know. In this day and age, man, you look at all the best teams, all the teams that people are talking about. You know, I watched Buffalo and Dallas play this weekend. You need a guy who can ascend to that level. Is uh, do you see that in Sam? You know, in the level of you know Allen or or Prescott, and I don't quite see that. I, I don't. I mean, I'd love to, but I just don't. I don't see it. And if you have an opportunity to get a franchise QB, you just, you have to pull the trigger and they just don't come along very often. I, I, you know, I, I would love to root for him. Seems like a great guy. Seems like his teammates love him uh, or certainly like him. And, uh, but I, uh, and maybe I, I'm, I'm the usual impatient DC sports fan. I just don't see it happening. You know, you? it's just, no, I, I don't. But as as you're talking, and I'm thinking back to my conversation earlier with Grant and Danny, and the conversations all week long, I think it's – I want – I think Sam can play. Like, I've never thought at any moment this year that there's elite, that there is, you know, franchise, you know, top 10-ish kind of quarterback in him. But he's done more good all year than bad, and I think he can play in this league. At what level? Maybe it's, you know, I've, I've mentioned Gardner Minshew's name multiple times over the last yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. I've always thought maybe it's Andy Dalton, you know, if he ever gets to the point where he's really getting the most out of it. But I feel like Jacoby Brissett coming into the game and doing what he did Sunday, combined with the fact that they had gotten frustrated and they benched him, that the talk now is too negative about Sam Howell. And I'm not ascribing it to anybody else other than the conversations I've had on this show and the conversations I've had with people like you. It's not a, a an anti-Sam Howell, Sam Howell can't play, it's time to move on. It's that, look, they they got to the point where something was not progressing um, the last four games haven't been great, but he does look like he can play in the NFL. I mean, you know, uh, Grant said it to me earlier, and I think we've mentioned it, Denton, on the show before. You know, he's a fifth-round pick, pretty good for a fifth-round pick. Bottom line, he looks like he's got a spot in the NFL somewhere. I, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. But is, it, I mean, I, I, this is the conversation about this particular football team that. 
the, the two of us root for. And I don't, you know, he's not, I mean, is he good enough to be the, the guy? I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. Um, right. And back to the, to the angst that, that the commanders fans were feeling after that game. And, you know, a little bit of, I mean, I just think that the, the, the fans are so pissed with, just everything that's gone on this year, the malaise, the lack of direction. Uh, I don't think, I think too, uh, you know, as much as I would love another guy I root for hard, Kevin is Eric the enemy. I think that, I don't think he did Sam any, any favors with the play calling this year. I thought they threw the ball way too much. Um, they got a very good running back. They've got a few good running backs and yet, yet they were throwing the ball all over the field. Some of it is because you get behind, but they were throwing the ball early in games when they were still in that conversation. And I, I would love to see the enemy get his shot. I'd love to see him, you know, be a head coach. I just, I don't think he did Hal any favors. All right. Uh, last week, the news was Ted and Virginia announcing Potomac yard for the wizards and caps. You're a Virginia guy. What was your reaction? I'd be really disappointed for the city. Um, I mean, and I, I say that I live, I live in Alexandria, so it makes it a hell of a lot easier for me to get there. I, I, I see this as a, as a tremendous blow to DC, but Ted's a businessman. It's, a, it's his prerogative. And, um, you know, uh, I, I would have thought three weeks ago it was just bluster and it was a leverage play. But when you show up at that presser with the government, uh, the governor of Virginia, and you know all the all the scribes, you know all the cameras out there and stuff, uh, I think that that it it's one step short of, short of a commitment. And um, I, I I just hate to see it. I I hope that something can be worked out. I think it's absolutely critical for cities to have, uh, you know, this sort of cred if you will you know and 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 that's not to say that alexander is not a part of the district or the dmv it's just not quite the same and and i hope it works out i hope the city can figure it out and i hope they can make some sort of deal i i one of the things that frustrates me is that complete lack of urgency from the city dc but um and hopefully it's not too far gone at this point in time I, i just think it's a it's a terrible blow to that neighborhood that area and really to the city in general. Chris Anaki, everybody. By the way, I think I found that the TVS broadcast of Maryland-UCLA in December uh-huh. of 1973, which does not exist, but the game was called by Dick Enberg. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So was, and, wasn't, it would have been, was he a it UCLA been, guy? Excuse was me? A UCLA broadcaster in L.A.? Well, he did a stretch, certainly, of UCLA basketball. I don't know if he was doing UCLA at the time. That was really before, you know, before college basketball was everywhere all the time. You know, yeah. and, and you had these select marquee games. I remember TVS also did the um, at Lou Alcindor-Elvin Hayes game. For Elvin the Hayes game. And I think that was 68. Um, so they syndicated those things. I remember it was on here at like 11 or 1130. It seemed, you know, preposterously late, but that's what you get, you know? Yeah. Dick Enberg called that game too. The Elvin Hayes, uh, upset yeah, of Lou Elsinger. Uh, the biggie went for 39 in the Astrodome in 1968 to knock off Lou Elsinger's 
undefeated UCLA team. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but UCLA got back later that year in the Final Four and beat Houston, right? They beat them, it beat them handily, and in that game in the Astrodome, uh, uh, Alcindor was playing with a scratched cornea that he'd injured mm-hmm. a couple of ga- uh, the game before and just wasn't the same guy. So they rolled Houston in the finals. I think it was the finals, maybe the, the semifinals, but they beat them, I think, by 32 um, and un- ended up winning the national championship. The Big E. The Big E one of my favorite players uh, as a kid. Uh, and I've tried to get him on the show so many times over the years and have never been successful. I can't remember the last time Elvin Hayes did anything media-wise in this town where he won a title. Yeah, you know what? Does he even come back for so I know the the Wizards like to have a lot of their old, you know, guys come back and and show up at various events like draft night and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever seen him around those things. Yeah. He um he was different, no doubt. Uh thanks yeah. for doing this. Merry Christmas, yeah. happy holidays, okay. all that stuff. Enjoy the trip out Thank to Pauly. All right, thanks. All right, Chris Knocky, everybody. Uh when we come back We'll do some NFL power rankings. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the Team980.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 